You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. All right, big guy, here you go. Thank you. Good morning, beautiful people. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to do this and surprise a few people here. Um, but what I want to do is I want some testimonies. Okay? I think a couple of you I've asked about that. But Sunday night, we had the big outreach at Crane's Roost that we've been talking about for so long. And as usual, it was epic and amazing and wonderful, and I haven't even gotten a chance to hear all the testimonies that have come from that. So if you have one that you want to share, a testimony from it, and it's either about something that happened to an individual uh, or that something happened inside of you, either one of them is fair game. And so why don't you just go ahead and come on up here. Now, I'm going to say this while you're making your way up here. I have to preempt this a little bit, okay? Because keep it to like 60 seconds so everybody can go, and we don't need the backstory. Just give us the testimony so we can all celebrate it together. And I feel like God's going to release something in this, okay? So come on up. Whoever's got one, come on up here. Don't be shy. Come on, right now. I know there's a lot of testimonies in the house. Uh, I don't think June, is June in the room? So we were at the um, the spiritual readings table and giving out words. We had a, a guy who sat down, and it was just kind of fun because the Lord gives you stuff. And so the word that I had for him was about just how important family is. And she actually drew out a picture of an airplane. And he's sitting there dumbfounded that the Lord knew him because he was making plans this week to travel back to Brazil because he's got a huge family and hasn't seen him in almost two years. So that's how personal God is. So guys, come on up. Come share some other ones. So there was a lot of stuff that happened, a lot of words that were like crazy spot on and people being amazed. But my favorite thing that happened was it was like a mom and her two daughters came and sat at the table and... I don't know what they were expecting. Like they were kind of open, but once we started sharing with them, like they were freaking out. Like the girls were looking at each other like, oh my God, how'd she know that about you? And then the younger one like sat down for her turn and she started crying because she was so amazed that like Jesus knew those things about her. And then the mom was like, oh, I'm going to show you guys how to have a poker face. Just wait, I'm going to sit down and teach you. So she sits down and we start sharing and the girls are like behind her, like looking at each other, like, and she's like, her face is like cracking a little as we're sharing. And then when we were done, she was just like, wow, it was really hard to keep a straight face because all of that was so spot on and they felt so seen and like, it was just such a cool time of encouragement. And also a girl got healed from like chronic pain. So So, uh, just a couple. um, One of the ones Julia just reminded me of was this family. It was a, a father and a mother and a little boy and I think we we prophesied over all three of them because they all kind of wanted to turn. And um, the, the little boy, like, was just, I mean, he just kind of had his head down. He was not reacting at all. We were kind of giving him all these things. And, like, the mom was sitting there going, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so it was really cool to see, even though when people don't always externalize kind of what's happening, there's people that are around them that, that know. Uh, I think one of the other interesting times we were in the middle of, of doing something with, with, with somebody and this woman comes up and she like interrupts and she's like, I just want you to know I was here 
whatever it was, a year ago, two years ago, and you prophesied that I was going to graduate, and I graduated, and she just like came and interrupted the whole thing, and we were just like, it was really cool. I didn't remember, but <laughs> but it was really cool just to see that God is sort of keeping this going throughout people's lives, so that was a fun one. Uh, first of all, I just want to say that watching Julia draw and minister to people was one of the biggest blessings of the night for me, seriously. Like, her gift is incredible. Um, I've gotten a word about the prophetic three different times, but it's still kind of intimidating because there's nothing you can do about it. That's a God thing. And um, <laughs> so Andrew's like, well, go sit at the table. I'm like, okay. So I'm just kind of watching. And at one point, everyone at the table had a word for this guy. And he goes, well, are you the apprentice or do you have something? I'm like, no, I kind of am the apprentice. That's really like the way to describe it. Um, but it got to a point where God was speaking so clearly. And I felt like my heart was beating out of my chest. And to watch it like click for me and then to speak life over people and have it click for them. It's one of the sweetest, coolest ministry experiences of my whole life. So, yeah. On the heels of that, I don't know if you, if you're if anyone's like me, but uh, there's a level of risk involved in this, right? And uh, sometimes I love risk, sometimes I don't like risk. And when it comes to looking at some in the face and saying, "I believe I have a word for you," you really want to feel like that's from God, you know? I don't want to mess someone's life up. And so I kind of sat down. Um, and I said, all right, Lord, let's, let's do this. Let's go on an adventure. You know, if you want to speak words, I'll share them. And uh, we sat down, and I never forget, there's two things. One, this, this woman comes over, and uh, she had, she, you know, sat down, did the whole deal, and we began to pray. And as soon as I closed my eyes, I saw a hand coming up out of the water, like somebody was drowning. So I looked at her, and I said, okay, I feel like you are drowning. And she starts crying, and she shared how uh, one of her children uh, into their life. And so she said that she was there and that to her, in that moment, we were able to minister to her and give her help and tell her about how good God is. And I, and in this moment of like, totally God, I mean, I felt like the hair standing on my, my arms as I was talking to her. I looked at her and I said, your son is in the arms of Jesus. And I could say it with full conviction as if the Lord whispered that in my ear, like, Hey, tell her I got her. So I said that. Another one that was amazing was uh, there was a guy, he came down, and uh, all three of us at the table, I felt like, gave him a great word. His eyes the whole time were like, man, y'all are nailing it. We finished, and we said, hey, does any of that resonate with you? And he goes, no, not at all. And he got up, and he like ran away. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, so, so there was this guy there, um, who you could have spotted from a mile away, you know? Um, yeah, anyway, so this guy, he, he, cool guy, very cool guy, like very cool. And he was like out there and it was like the end of the night and the line was kind of getting thinner and he was like the next person in line and someone else was actually like, okay, I think we just need to like, you know, kind of, bless him and just send him away. And I was like, no, like this guy's like needs to, he, he needs to get it. Like he needs to come here. And so like, will you come pray with him too? And so me and Christiana and Anne prayed for this guy. And it was just incredible to see God just pursuing his people, no matter what they look like or act like or, you know, whatever. And like this, you know, person had like a lot of like crystals and like very out there, very new age, said a lot of very interesting things. And it was so amazing to see like, God just doesn't care. And like, 
in turn, I don't care. Like, like we, we just don't, and, and Christiana is so good. Like, she's like, oh yeah, that rock is beautiful. Like, let me touch it. And it's just like, like not because we're not scared of it. You, you know, Anne and Christian, whatever. It's because we don't care. Like, I, it's not going to get on me, you know? And like, just the beauty of like Jesus, like loving people. Like at one point in the conversation, this person actually said, I am Jesus Christ. And I was like, okay. And by the end of that conversation, he actually like genuinely had an encounter with God. It was like, I want to give my life to Jesus. And we led him to Jesus. And so like, I just want to say like, it doesn't matter how wacky someone's story is. Like God is God and he loves that person and he, they deserve Jesus as much as you do, you know? Which is like none of us deserve it on who we are and God just loves us so much. So it was so cool to like really like just lead someone to Jesus from like all this stuff. And yep, that was it. It was awesome. Andrew. Hey everyone. So we did some spiritual readings together. So we're going to give two examples. The first one... A guy, he's probably like 18, came to us and we prophesied over him. And then there were two younger ladies that we prophesied over. So the first guy, when he came up to us, I had a lightsaber, thanks to Julia. She gave me a great outfit. And instantly I thought I saw this picture of this guy with the lightsaber and he had the lightsaber like it was a mic. And I'm like, no, I'm not saying that. And I said it though. And he, and, and he was like, yeah, I sing. I have, a, I have a strong voice. And then some other stuff happened um, with him. Do you, you want to talk about? Um, well, you spoke also that he was a, uh, something about business, remember? Mm, yeah. Yes. But this guy was uh, pretty much very touched. He shared a dream that he had about a um, forest uh, getting in fire, right? Mm. And he said that it happened right the day, the next day after. And uh, what I said to him is that he has a calling. And then who was saying about Cindy? Cindy said to him that, do you know somebody about uh, named Michael? And he says, no, I don't know anybody about Michael. And then I said to him, that might be the angel Michael, which one spoke, um, you know, or a God sent the angel Michael to... Um, to, to give messages. I, I'm sorry for my English. I'm trying to do my best. So, so to give messages and your dream was about a message that in reality happened. So it means that God is speaking to you. And uh, I said to him, I wanted to tell you that God is going to use you in a, in a, use you in a high range because uh, Michael, the angel, is sent to people with high calling, and your calling is big for God, and God wanted to use you throughout your entire life. And he also received Jesus. I said to him, read the Bible, because the Bible is Emmanuel, is our testament that God uh, give, gave us to, to follow him and to know who he is in our life. And this, this day, you will never forget, because this day, is a day that will follow you up throughout your entire life and you will never be the same. <laughs> yeah, and, and to kind of, the, the reason we got the word Michael, well, this, this kid was having like demonic stuff happen. He's like, yeah, you guys ever feel like wings pop out of your back and like weird things in your back? And I'm like, does it hurt? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, it's not from God. And then that's when she was like, okay, well, this is who Jesus is. And we t started telling him about Jesus. So long story short, he encountered Jesus. Now he knows Jesus. And... All because of one word, Michael. And we realized that he was having demonic stuff go on. 
Not anymore. Okay, and then, then and then one more. Um, there were these two ladies that came over. There, uh, Mindy was with this, and we we're like, uh, Mindy's like, so have you done this before? And she's like, oh yeah, I do tarot cards. And we're like, oh cool. <laughs> Um, so we start saying stuff and talking to him. And then, um, you were talking to the one girl that was to the right. I don't remember her name. Um, but they, at the end, we we're like, do you guys want to experience the love of God? And of course they're like, sure. So they were able to experience the love of God, but she was talking about Jesus and the love of God and the girl on the right. She, I don't remember exactly what you said, but something about the love of God. And then instantly she started crying. And then do you want to? Well, the thing is, I just remember the, that she accepted Jesus and she was crying and crying. And I don't remember exactly what I said to her, but, um, you know, I was encouraging pretty much everybody. We have a few people that accepted Jesus that night, several people, and that was amazing. So the most important thing is we were telling them that to read the Bible because it's the manual and uh, God is a relationship. And they, they went with that message. And I was telling everybody, you, your life will never be the same anymore. Your, your life, these words are going to follow you through your entire life. And you're going to uh, start exper experimenting it changes in your life, big changes. And you're going to be used for God. So... <laughs> I will be quick because I've done this, I guess we've done this since the first time. The first time we started with two tables and we had a line. <clears throat> this was about our fifth time. We started with three tables and we actually, uh, because the line was so long, we had an extra group over here and an extra group over here. And the fact that, and, and, and I'll be honest, like over the past couple of years, I've been one of the contact points for this church with, with Altamont Springs. And the fact that they were like saying, we so missed you guys last year. We so are looking forward to this year. Like it, it just is such a testament to this body that, you know, we're willing to be able to just give. And, um, and the only other thing that I want to say is for those of you who haven't done this yet, I've doing this, been doing this for five years and I still get nervous every time I have to talk to somebody. But at the same time, you know, it's always a blessing to see God touch them because you're always wondering, is this right? Is this right? Is this right? And yet, you know, when you see their face, just like, um, it just reminds you that, yeah, God knows what he's talking about. So I just want to encourage you, whenever we're doing anything like this, you know, please join us. Please step out in risk, step out in faith, activate what God has inside of you. So, so the last one we had um, at night, I think we, we were there longer than everybody else. Like we weren't done till 930. We we're supposed to be done at nine or something. Um, Kevin just was telling me that the woman that we were um, speaking to, he just felt a need to tell her that God loves her and God adores her and cares for her. And I had something that was a little bit different, and she was very peaceful when he was talking to her, but I had this tension that she was holding two ends of a rope like this. And so I, I drew that picture and was trying to figure out what it was, but as soon as I shared it with her, she just broke down, and here she had lost her son, and um, she was still struggling with, with it over, I think it was, had been a year, and she felt like she was holding the family together. She felt like it was all on her shoulders. And um, 
we were able to pray for her and to minister to her. And by the end, she was, she had been saying she was so angry with God and she just didn't believe it anymore. And by the end, she was like, I just have to give it to God. I just have to let him carry it. And I think that's just, I feel like that was a testimony for me to hear her say that. Because how many things do we carry that we're trying to do ourselves? So um, a lot of these, a lot of the times when you're ministering to people, it's like remind God's telling them something and reminding you that it's for you too. That's good. That's good. So I had the a unique position. I was like line monitor. So it was it was a bit chaotic for a while, and then we finally got the line going and whatever. But I, so I was like standing in the line and watching the tables, who was ready for the next person, and pointing them. So that was my job, and that was a stretch for me. So just so you know, because um, I don't I don't like talk to a bunch of strangers. I don't like talking to a bunch of strangers, and so even them coming in line and waiting behind me, I was so awkward. I was like, oh yeah, hi. But what I did get to hear was um, all of them. They'd come up to line, and they would be ne- you know they're going to be next, and they'd be like, oh. Are you going to go first or should I go first? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go first. Like how nervous they were about what was about to happen. Like they, they would say, I wonder if they're going to talk about it. I wonder if they're going to say it. I wonder if they're going to ask you. Like they were expecting something before they ever came and sat down at y'all's table. Like they were like, yeah, they were sitting there waiting like something's about to happen. And some of them, it was like, oh, spooky you. I've never done this before. And some of them were like, wow, those people are really young to be reading. Like, like they've obviously done this many, many times. And, you know, it didn't look right. It didn't look the same, you know. And so I never said anything because as soon as they sat at the table, most of y'all, I know Andrew had a pretty much a spiel. Every time they would sit at the table, they would say, hey, this, have you done this before? This might be a little different. You know, we're going to listen to Jesus. Like it's right out and right out in the open. This is what we're doing. We're listening to Jesus. But before they get to the table, they have no idea what's about to come. So anyway, it was really fun. And to watch the tears and the prayers across the table and, you know, people just really being touched was, was really neat for me to, to have that vantage point. So that's so good. That's so good. Come on, Mary. I'm back. I remember too. One was actually yours. I didn't want you to forget because it was good. But um, so we had like a group of three friends and like the first one sat down and it was like a situation like Javen's where she was like, she listened and she was like, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, no, that's all. That's just kind of wrong. <laughs> it was Mary and I were on the ends and who was in front? Was it Elizabeth? Rachel. Rachel was in the middle and we all went. And then she, after we were done, she goes, you're wrong and you're wrong. <laughs> and we were like, okay, thank you. Yeah, okay. And so the next friend came. No, it was the third friend. So the next friend came and it was kind of like also awkward. I like said a joke that wasn't funny and he didn't laugh. And so it was just really awkward. But then the third friend sat down and it was so precious. It was like such a different demeanor about him. He was so open and Andrew had a word for him. He was like, do you have like nightmares at night? And he was like, yeah, I do. (laughs) And Andrew was able to pray for him and he got set free. It was so exciting. So that was one. And it was also like his whole demeanor was so like, like he was being touched by God. It was so cool because they very clearly didn't believe in Jesus. And so to see Jesus minister to him anyway was amazing. So there's that one. And then this is the last one. Um, There was a lady um, who... I kind of feel like I had a word for it, and the word was like, you know, clean or like, you know, clean slate. And in my head, I'm thinking, 
I don't know. Like, I just got kind of nervous. I was like, Lord, I hope this lady, like, doesn't need to be delivered or something because I don't want her to start manifesting in front of all these people. I was like, Lord, I can't do this. I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm, like, in my head just going through it. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so it came to the point I just said it. I was like, you know, do you feel like sometimes you, you want a clean slate? Like, either from things you've done or things that have been done to you. And she was like, yeah. I really do. And it turns out like this lady had grown up in the church and like walked away and like had a lot of hurt happening. And, and I told her, you know, that's available to you through Jesus Christ, like through his blood. And she like, you could just tell that like, it was one of those like destiny moments, like a moment of her life she wouldn't forget. And I asked her, I was like, how do you feel about that? And she was like, I need to think about it. I think good. And I was like, cool. (laughs) But yeah, okay, that's it. All right, so I guess seconds are allowed. Uh, thank you, Mary. So um, I thought of one other one that was kind of fun. So uh, my son Joey and I, I think he's back there, um, were dressed up as Obi-Wan and Anakin from uh, Star Wars. And so not that we're competitive or anything, but there was one guy that sat down and goes, oh, this is even better than Gandalf. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, like I said, we're not competitive, but that was kind of fun. But then, um, <laughs> anyway, um, so this other woman came up. This was a fun one. She, she sat down, and you could tell she was kind of very open spiritually and stuff, and we had some really cool words for her, and she started, like, asking a lot of questions, like, and, and like, you know, some people, they get really into it, and they're just kind of talking, and, and she was telling us how she's, like, wondering, could she just, like, say things and things would happen and, and all this kind of stuff? And we're like, well, that's kind of the way that, you know, prophecy works a little bit. And, and so we, we gave her words and, and what, uh, and Joey goes, I think uh, that you seem to have a gift here. Like, you really do hear things and you hear the spiritual realm. I mean, that's probably God speaking to you. Why don't you prophesy over us? <laughs> so here this woman who came here to get a spiritual reading then got turned around and then prophesied over us. And she gave a word and it was pretty accurate. And so it was really cool just to see how we kind of took the moment and just brought God right into her life where she's at and allowed her to experience now turning around and giving God away. So it was really cool. I can, I can uh, testify to that. Kevin's like, he, someone said I had a better outfit. He told me that right away. Um, so what, one more funny thing, and uh, we're going to release some stuff here. So the, uh, we were prophesied in these. Uh, it was a mom, a young girl, and a son. They came up, and I, I kept getting this, the name Monica. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to risk it for the biscuit again. I got the mic <laughs> correct last time. What's the worst? So I'm like, do you guys know Monica? And they're like, looking around, and no one knew Monica. So I tried it twice that night, that night, nothing. So I just want to encourage you guys, like, if you hear something, just go for it. It doesn't matter if it's wrong. It's okay. It is okay. It's okay. Um, but uh, we were, I was over there to the side, and we were praying for people for healing. I don't even know how many people got healed. I would say at least between 10 to 15 people, and I'm not even exaggerating. Like, people had, like, back pain. I'm like, oh, here's Jesus. He heals. Boom, healed. Over here, boom, healed. Javen was over there like, hey, you need some more candy? I'm like, yeah. Hey, here's my friend Javen over here. We're going to pray for you real quick. Boom, healed. Boom, healed. I'm not even joking. This Jesus is so real. And I love healing. Healing's a sign for people to come to believe who Jesus really is. But the best part is, is when Jesus loves on people's hearts. So we were there. I, I asked people, 
do you guys know a Monica? And they're like, no. So, so we're, we're talking to him. And then at the end, I'm like, do you want to, it was a young girl. I'm like, do you want to experience the love of God? And she's like, yeah, sure. So um, we did the same thing with her, the brother. And we're like, just hold your hands out. Jesus wants to love on you. And I explained like the Holy Spirit, he's going to come and love on you. We did this to everyone. Every single person experienced the love of God. Every single person. And God got bigger in my eyes, in my mindset, because I mean, I know he wants to love on everyone, but he wants to love on people more than we want to love on other people. And so I had the daughter and the son. I'm like, all right, mom, it's your turn. So I'm like, all right, daughter, this is how the kingdom works. He freely gave, so we freely give. He loved on us, so we love on other people. So I want you to pray for your mom. And the, the kid, he was like laughing and crying. And then Cindy's like, what's going on? He's like, well, I feel this stirring in my belly. Or well, that's the Holy Spirit. And so the daughter prayed for the mom. The mom starts feeling things. And then the son prays for him, for the mom. And he starts laughing. I'm like, hey, he's joyful too. You don't have to cry. It's, it's all the things. Long story short, the mom encounters the love of God. The whole entire family encountered the love of God. So they received it. They don't even know who Jesus is. So I'm going to re- release some healing right now as well as the love of God. So if, if you have pain in your body, sickness, or emotional stuff, um, you don't even need to raise your hand. Just tell Holy Spirit right now, whatever it is. Tell Holy Spirit what it is. All right, so we're going to release healing, then we're going to release love. So right now, we just declare healing into everyone's body from the top of their heads to the bottom of their toes right now in Jesus' name. Amen. And this whole morning, we sang about the person of Jesus, Jesus. There is no higher name except Jesus. And so, and then next, um, if you want to experience the love of God, just hold your hands out. He's going to get you. And this is what I said to these people that don't even know who Jesus is. I said, all of God's love has been poured out into your hearts through the Holy Spirit. And he's going to love in your heart right now. So I just want you to take a deep breath in and deep breath out. Now, whatever you're feeling, even if you're not feeling anything, he's loving on you. And sometimes we try to say, well, I don't know if this is really that or this. Just stop thinking. Just know that the creator of the universe is inside of you and he wants to love on you because you're his child. He loves on you. That's the Jesus that we serve. It's so good. All right. Come on. Let's thank God again for what he did. It's so fun. I, uh, I think I may have mentioned this before, but I, years ago, God had given me a revelation about how we've taken the mandate of Jesus Christ off of the church, which is go into the world and preach the gospel. We've taken that mandate of go off of the church and we've put it on the world. And we've told the world, go to church. And things that happen on nights like this, if you're waiting for people to come into a church to experience God, you could wait years and years and years for to have that many people experience God like they did. That it's up to us, church, it really is up to us to be the representation of Jesus Christ in the earth. And I love what these guys are saying when they're talking about it, especially when they say, and say something and they get it wrong. Because I've said things and I get it wrong. There's, a, um, there's this religious infection 
that gets into the church, and it really is an old covenant mindset that says if a prophet prophesies something and they're wrong, you know, they're, they're no longer, they're supposed to be, they're a false prophet, right? Anybody heard that before? Right? Not understanding what happened at the cross of Jesus. Not understanding even what we sang about, what he just talked about, that the love of God is shed in our, abroad in our hearts by Holy Spirit. We sang about it this morning. You said you would pour your spirit out, right? He said he would pour his spirit out on all flesh. Now, that's not something we're waiting to happen. It happened. Because Peter had to stand up in Acts chapter 2 and give an explanation for what was happening. And he said, this is what the prophet Joel prophesied. It's not like he prophesied something and we're standing here waiting for it to happen. Hello? This is what the prophet Joel prophesied, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. Everybody say all flesh. That means everybody gets in on it. Everybody gets in on it. So what that means is for us to go out and prophesy, if we get something wrong, it's okay. In the old covenant, it wasn't okay because the people in the old covenant didn't have Holy Spirit on them. Only a few did. Those who were called by God, only a few had it. And that's why it was so responsible. They were so responsible. God said, you know, that they would stone you if you got it wrong. In the new covenant, Jay has Holy Spirit. Roe has Holy Spirit. You have Holy Spirit. And you're getting the Holy Spirit. And you're getting the Holy Spirit. Everybody has it. So it's, it's up to us to determine when we get a prophetic word, what does that mean for us? Hello? That's why we ask people, does it resonate with you? Because if it doesn't, that's fine. It really is okay. I'm hoping this is releasing some people in the room that may be a little bit bound up with this. You don't learn unless you, you don't grow unless you exercise. You, you're not going to just all of a sudden have this thing from Holy Spirit drop on you and you're like the world's best prophet now. Those who, Hebrew says, those who have learned by their, and exercised their senses by reason of use. They put it to practice. They start doing it. And then the more you do it, you start to recognize. I can do it. I've been doing it so long now that I can start to speak. And I can tell when I'm talking and I'm really like on the edge waiting. God's going to show up here. It's not like what I'm saying is like exactly right or wrong. I just can't feel it totally. And then there's other times where it just goes like a bullet and it goes in. I'm okay with that. I'm really okay with that because I want to get better. And when you learn how to feel what Holy Spirit is doing, when you learn how to sense what's going on in your body, you guys know you can do that, right? You can sense in your body. Because Paul says that you would know, and that word gnosko there is experiential. I mean, your, your sight, your smell, your touch, all of that stuff can be a receptor of what God is doing in any given moment. So is that good? Does that help people in the room? Let's be the church. We don't have to have big events to do this. I love watching people. Jay gets this all the time. Everywhere Jay goes, he's bringing the word. I get a text from him almost every week. Hey, man, I was in a grocery store. I ran into this lady and, you know, and I love that because what that tells me is he's, he's connected with this and he understands it, that it's not a switch that we turn on on a Sunday morning and then turn it off when we leave the building. For years, I grew up in what I called crazy mania, charismania, the crazy-matic church, right? You know what I'm talking about? They come into church every Sunday with their bag, their backpack, and inside of it, they've got gifts like word of wisdom, word of knowledge, healing, faith, tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles. We've got all that stuff. We carry it in our backpack. We come into church, we set it down, and we unzip it, and we want to use them. And then as soon as church is over, we put them back in the backpack, we put it on our shoulder, and we walk out, and we don't open it again until next week. I don't think that's what the gifts were meant for. I think the gifts were meant to let people see who God is through the manifestation of the Spirit. 
That's why it says 1 Corinthians 12. I'm gonna start preaching, come on. 1 Corinthians 12 says that he gives the the manifestation of the Spirit, he gives the Spirit to each one for the profit of all, for the benefit of all, right? How many times in the church do people say, oh yeah, well, I've had somebody do this. Well, I have the gift of healing. And my first response is, who's getting healed then? Because that gift isn't for you. That gift is to be a conduit for God to flow through. Well, I have the gift of faith. Really? How's that manifesting? What does it look like? So for all of us, just to get used to this thing of going, Holy Spirit's on me, Holy Spirit's on you, Holy Spirit's come along on all flesh, he's poured on all flesh, people are just waiting to hear the truth. That's, they're just waiting. Somebody, I believe this to my core, that the world that does not believe in Jesus, the ones that are walked away from Jesus, the agnostic, the atheist, all of them who don't want to have anything to do with Jesus are still in their heart longing for him. And I know that's true because the word says that he is the desire of all nations, of all people. He's the desire. Everybody in their heart has a longing for something, and they're looking for something transcendent. They're not looking for just good advice. They're looking for God advice. They're looking for something that comes straight from God, that speaks to their soul, speaks to their spirit, so that when we release that, we bring identity. We release it into people, and all of a sudden, they're getting a hold of something that I don't need to stand there and teach them anymore because they're learning how to hear Holy Spirit on their own. Can I get an amen to that? This is the church. This is what we're supposed to look like. So, message number one. I'm gonna go to message number two now, okay? All right, that's good, Andrew. That's awesome. All right, yeah. They want us to come back. Yes, they do. Actually, yeah, you're right. I did get a call, but I haven't called her back yet. The director of that, Evelyn, um, she asked us to come back for Light Up the Holidays, which usually has been, I mean, this is crazy, guys. I mean, it's like, you can't make this stuff up. When we first moved to town, before we even had the church started, I called the city of Altamont. I don't even know if it was Evelyn or somebody else I talked to, and I said, we would like to come down there and purchase a tent. It was like $1,000 for this event that you buy this tent. You pay $1,000, they give you this tent down there, and you can set up. And I said, I want to just get out there and prophesy over people, pray over them. I want to do this. And they were like, well, that's kind of weird. No, seriously, they were like, that's kind of weird. That just doesn't sound like something for like an outdoor festival or something like that. Do you really want to spend $1,000 to do that? And I was like, yeah, I do. And ultimately, I could tell very clearly they did not want us to do that at all. Fast forward. Will you guys please keep coming? And they're giving the tent to us. So we're not paying for any of the tents. They're giving and saying, will you guys come? Will you guys please come? Who does that? What kind of city says to a church, you guys come down here and start prophesying over people? So light up the holidays. Is anybody familiar with it? It happens down there in Crane's Roost. I think they were doing them um, for a while. They were doing like every Saturday for like four Saturdays in December. And it's just one now, right? Okay. But it's just one this time, right? They're just going to do one. So if you guys are interested in it, have any thoughts, any ideas on what you want to do, what you want to bring to it, it doesn't have to be spiritual readings. We're actually thinking maybe it's not this time. We're thinking maybe it's some kind of, I don't know, one time we did a bike raffle or something like that. I don't know. It could be anything. So if you feel like God's giving you some ideas, some thoughts on that, uh, let's just be the church together and let's find out what he's saying with it and let's do it. Sound good? Okay. Announcement number four, or whatever that was. All right, I want to talk a little bit about, I've been on this thing with faith and I just can't get away from it. And I'm, it's part of what I feel like Holy Spirit's working inside of me of helping me to understand and define what faith is and what hope is and what belief is. They're all a little bit different, but I'm just, 
spending time, you know, what is this thing? What is this? There's something very needed about people having hope. Amen? Have you ever run into somebody who's absolutely hopeless? That is a very scary place to be. If you've ever been there before, you know. You know what runs through your mind, and it isn't good stuff. Hopelessness is terrible. I believe that the body of Christ is designed to be the most hopeful people on the planet. And the word talks about it over and over again. That this is who we are. We have testimony of people in the past. I'm going to read some of that in a moment. But we have testimony from people in the past. A lot of reason why we have the Old Testament was to show us what faith looked like. And we have these patriarchs. I went through it some of it last week in Hebrews, the Hall of Faith, talking about people who are absolutely messed up, totally messed up people. But they're in the Hall of Faith. And I love, love, love the fact that if you see, if you read Hebrews 11, and you see these characters' names coming up, and it starts to describe what they did that was in faith, you never, ever see in the Word what they did that was wrong. You know why? You want some good news? God only remembers what's done in faith. He only remembers what's done in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the only currency that we can operate with him is faith. That's the only currency that works. It's a kingdom heavenly economy that we have to step into and say, I can't work from earth's perspective. I have to work from heaven's perspective. And it's, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I have to use faith in order to step into something that's gonna work in the kingdom realm. Now, People might say this, have, have you ever heard this before? Well, I'm a person of faith. I'm just, it's very private. I'm a person of faith. I used to hear this all the time. We were part of a church somewhere else. Yeah, I'm a person of faith, but it was very quiet. So you never had any kind, you didn't know anything about what their faith was. It was just this internal, like you, you had no idea. I don't believe that's what faith really looks like. There's a reason why we have the book of James. You show me your faith by your words, I'll show you by my works. And no, that is not a thing about works. He's simply saying, I live by faith so much that this stuff follows me everywhere I go. All I have to do is look behind me and see the works of God because I'm walking in faith. Amen? This is what faith looks like. Divine persuasion, right? Is that what you call it? Javen and I were having a conversation about it. That faith defined is divine persuasion. I love that. I love that. You know why I like it? Because it's not about me. If it's divine persuasion, then I just need to start listening to it, receiving what he's doing, and let it run through me. Come on, I'm hoping we can get some people set free from this thing. When I, I, I've been in services before where you have somebody on the platform, come on, I need a room to get in faith, get in faith. And I'm like, how do you do that? Somebody give me the principle or some kind of thing. That I don't know how to do that. What do I do? Just, uh, just pop it out, faith, there it is. I, I don't even know what it looks like. How do you do that? It just seems, but you hear it all the time, and so it's kind of like this thing that's become the norm. All right, everybody, get in faith. Anybody ever heard this before? Come on, everybody, we need to get in faith, get in faith. And nobody's brave enough to go, excuse me, can you tell me what that looks like? I mean, really, tell me what that looks like, because if you want a definition of what that looks like, ask everybody in the room, and you're going to get 100 different answers. Getting in faith, I think the best definition of getting in faith is simply surrendering. It's a yielded. It's just a yielded man. I don't know. If it's divine persuasion, and come persuade me. Come persuade me. Give me something. Give me something outside my head. I don't think it's faith. Honestly, I don't think the church is really walking in faith until we live in this consciousness that I can't do it without him. 
that's faith. If we can do things for God, but we're not constantly aware of our inability to accomplish the thing he's asked us to do, then we're not walking in faith. We're just doing stuff. And it's not necessarily bad. I mean, if you don't know what else to do, start with that. Start doing the stuff you see in scripture. But man, there's something about walking in faith that produces. One of the things that happened at the table, one girl came and sat down and she, she was wearing a mask. I couldn't really see her face. So I didn't know what was going on. But I remember God gave me a word. Right, it was right there. I said, something happened to you five or six years ago. Something very traumatic happened to you. Boom, she starts crying. I didn't need to know what it was. But that was a leap of faith for me even to say that. But I knew it was God because I could tell when it came, when the word came, I could tell it was like, okay, this could be really bad. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Let me just break it down to practicals for a moment. When a word comes like that, be sensitive to it. You want to listen to what Holy Spirit's saying. But man, if it takes you into this place where it's like, I'm going to say this and I have no idea what's going to happen, it's probably God. It's probably God. That's probably God. All I know is she felt, we prayed for her right there. I think, who was at the table with me for that one? You were at the table? I just remember that. I mean, she had an encounter with Jesus right there. And that was really my main concern because what is our mission here? Transformation through encounters with Jesus and a revelation of God's goodness. Why is that our mission here? Because I know that's how God touched me. I got transformed by having an encounter with Jesus. And if you look throughout scripture, when, when Jesus walked around, anybody who said they wanted him or needed him, they had transformation happen to him because they had an encounter with him. Come on, anybody want to get in on this? This is it. This is it. So I've got this thing of faith and hope and all this desire, these dreams, these things that I put into that category that I'm thinking about. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning, okay? I set all that up to, set, to say this. Um, I want to talk a little bit about hope, actually. So hope but not hope from the natural standpoint. I want to talk about hope from a heavenly standpoint. Hope from a natural standpoint is more like wishing. Wishes, wishes. You can go 45 minutes south of here and find a place where you can do wishes. It's called the magic kingdom. I'm talking about, I'm talking about God's kingdom. I'm talking about a different kind of level. Earthly hope is just wishing. That's all it is because it has no object to attach to. If I wish for more money, let's say, okay? Let's say I'm wishing and I wish I had more money. I have nothing to attach that to to draw it in. I'm just wishing that something would change. I'm wishing I would win the lottery, but I have nothing. If I play the lottery in hopes to get rich, I'm not saying lottery is wrong or right. You do whatever you want to do. If I put that out there, I buy a ticket to be a lottery, to win the lottery, I can wish that I win the lottery, but that's not hope. People will say, I hope I win the lottery, but that's not really hope because there's nothing to draw from. Real biblical hope has an object. It's called Jesus. And it recognizes that inside of him, everything dwells. Everything. All the fullness of the Godhead was in him, right? We understand that. All things held together by him. That's the object that I hold on to. And when I have real biblical hope, it will hold on to him looking for things that are in heaven that have not manifested in the earth yet. That's what I'm looking for. That's real biblical hope. I'm going to read a passage to you here. Uh, Romans chapter four, this entire Romans four is dedicated to one person, Abraham. <laughs> Again, I, I had to go back because in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, it talks about 
Abraham being a man of faith and he believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. All this kind of stuff that's wonderful and that's beautiful. But if you actually go back into Genesis and read the story, which I did, I know the story, but I had to go back and read it again. I'm like, dude lied. The dude was so scared all the time. They come into a city. Hey, Sarah, his wife. Hey, Sarah, tell him you're my sister. Tell him, tell him you're my sister because they're gonna, you're beautiful. And if they think I'm married to you, they're gonna kill me and take you. But they won't do that. And you guys heard that. He did it twice. That's the kind of unbelief this individual walked in. But yet this is what we have an account of in scripture. I hope this is giving somebody some hope in the room. God's not going to remember what's not done in faith. He doesn't remember what's not done in faith. We do, and we hold it against ourselves. Let me read this. Romans 4, 17 and 18, Passion Translation says this. That's what the scripture means when it says, I have made you father of many nations. He is our example and father. For in God's presence, he believed that God can raise the dead. And are you ready? Call into being things that don't, that don't even exist yet. This is the kind of hope we can have, that God, you, he can call things into existence that don't even exist yet. There's a reason why he says, Paul says, he can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Now, I have a pretty creative mind. There are people more creative than me, but I can think and ask for a lot of really big things. But that's limiting. He's talking about, no, there's something greater here. We're talking about putting hope in a person who can make things exist that don't even exist yet. What? That, like, that makes me look at it and go, this, this hope thing is even like if I'm not careful, I will live too much down here in earthly hope, which is wishing, and not let him speak to me about the things that he can create, the things that he can manifest, the things that he can do that are way beyond whatever I could imagine. All that I could ask or think. Think about something in your life right now. Maybe it's something that happened. Maybe it's something your hope will happen. Think of something that's like, maybe it's like the family situation is really like destroyed. Maybe you're like your family around you and stuff. It's just been really like torn apart and, and just like you're thinking, it's over, it's never gonna happen. To think about that and then go real biblical hope would say, this is impossible for me to see how reconciliation could happen. I mean, it's impossible. I have no idea how this could happen. But you know what? If I have real biblical hope, then I'm always gonna hold it out as an option because my object is in the person of Jesus who is one who does reconcile. Hello? Take whatever it is that you're thinking about. I know people who think that their addiction is their identity. That's what's gonna be my life. I'm defined by this. It's a problem why I'm thankful for what God gave us in 12 steps, but I don't like the fact that it says you have to identify yourself with your addiction. If you identify yourself with your addiction or with your struggle, then you're gonna spend the rest of your life creating things around you to keep you from doing the very thing that you say you are. And there's a reason why they call coping through the day. I don't want to cope. I want to, I want to live. Jesus came to give me life and life so I could cope. Right? Life so I could just barely make it through the day. God, I'm just going to, man, if I could make it through this day and not die, that would be just wonderful. I'm not looking for that. I'm talking about hope and something that goes beyond what I can expect. What are you going to do, God? What are you going to do? I want to be like Abraham. Abraham. 
where he believed it. Now we have the story to draw back on, but when you think about it, God, who hadn't manifested himself really to anybody else yet, shows up on the scene and he starts talking to this man and he says, oh, by the way, I want you to like pack up everything you got in a U-Haul, start driving. And I'll let you know when we're at the destination that you're supposed to be. Anybody have faith for that? Anybody wanna jump in on that right there? Just jump in and start driving? Let's do it, road trip. I don't know, I feel like I've done that before. It worked, but I'm gonna keep reading here. Verse 18, against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word, and as a result, he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass. Here it is. Your descendants will be so many that they will be impossible to count. Now, how many of you would say, that's hard to imagine? You know what that tells me, though? In the kingdom of God, his heart is about generational blessing. His heart is about legacy after legacy after legacy after legacy. I want to have that for my kids. I live in hope all the time. I mean, it's not like I think about it all the time, but when I do think about future, I live in hope that my children's children's children, the ones I will never see, that those people, those kids, those grow up into people who are just people of faith that love God and they just keep going. I have higher hopes for my kids than I did even for myself. I want them to stand on my shoulders. I want to be someone who brings something into reality because I have hope and because I have faith so they can see it and they can go, I'm gonna start from that right there and I'm gonna keep moving. What would it look like if the church really lived like this? What would it look like? I feel like a lot of times the church, all of us, we just keep repeating the same thing over and over again. And I don't know this if it's exactly true or not, but when I look at it, my take on it is it's because we don't have people living in faith and hope. We don't have people living in faith and hope. You ever heard that say? Well, I just hope, I just want my kids to be healthy. If they're healthy, then everything's, you know, what more can you ask for? A lot. A lot more. I mean, because if you haven't got your health, you know, come on. I, I think there's more to it than this. What if we can be a people who live with a hope that is so high that it becomes contagious? What happens if we start to learn to live in some kind of hope that when I go into my cubicle at work, when I go into my office or whenever I, wherever I go, I bring that into the situation and all of a sudden the hope in the room just starts to rise. I think that's biblical hope. I think that's what it's supposed to look like. Something that just can't be, <clears throat> biblical hope will be when you're carrying it, you're gonna walk somewhere and it will infect somebody else because it's bigger than yourself. When you think earthly hope, it's only gonna be as big as you are. And people might say, man, I hope that happens for you too. But when you're really carrying biblical hope, it's gonna come into a place where people are going, dang, dang, girl, I want some of that. You know what I'm talking about, right? I want some of that. Whatever that is right there, I want some of that. Because everybody talks like that, right? I wanna read this same passage to you in the message translation. Eugene Peterson brilliant man, recently went to be with the Lord last couple of years, gave us the message translation, I don't know, 12 years ago, 12, 13, 14 years ago. And the same passage reads like this, Romans 4, 17 and 18. We call Abraham father, not because he's God, he got God's attention by living like a saint, 
Come on, that's a good word for someone in the room. We call Abraham father not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody, divine persuasion. God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what you've always read in scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as a father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God can do. Raise the dead to life with a word, make something out of nothing. Can I suggest to you that prophecy in the church, we've, we've really dumbed it down and we've restricted what it can truly be. Prophetic utterances are not always about the future. Let me put it this way. Prophetic, the true biblical prophetic isn't just about calling the future. It's about causing it. It's in the nature of God. He starts calling Father Abraham. He believed it and now it begins to happen. I can prophesy over something, somebody in the room and be spot on and it's actually the word of God coming into an individual, but that word will never take root until they decide to believe it. I know, I know what it's like. I walked around for years and years and years with a prophetic word that I stuck in my pocket. Not literally, I just, metaphorically, I had it stuck in my pocket and just hoped, oh God, someday this thing will happen. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe, I don't know, I'm just waiting. It didn't start to happen until I said yes and started walking in it. Why? I personally believe that if he gave me the end picture from the very beginning, it would have overwhelmed me. But by taking what he said and just beginning to walk in it a little bit and trusting and going, man, I can't believe this. This is whatever, you know, all of a sudden it starts to come into light. You start to see it for what it is. And I can look at it now and go, it hasn't even fully come into its being, but I believe that it will because I've already seen him functioning. I've already seen him working. Abraham lived with such an infectious hope that he defined his surroundings. Can I say that again? Abraham lived with such an, just an infectious hope that it defined the surrounding he went into. It had that kind of effect. I'm gonna read you a story about someone else that did the exact opposite. Second Peter 2, it's New Testament, referring again back to somebody in the Old Covenant. First Peter 2, six through eight says, and don't forget that he reduced to ashes the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, condemning them to ruin and destruction. God appointed them to be examples of what is coming to the ungodly. Yet he rescued a righteous man, Lot, suffering the indignity of the, I can talk, indignity of the unbridled lust of the lawless. For righteous Lot, listen, Righteous Lot lived among them day after day, distressed in his righteous soul by the rebellious deeds he saw and heard. Abraham believed God and was counted to him as what? Lot was righteous. Lot was overwhelmed by his surroundings. Abraham defined his surroundings. Come on, come on, who wants to live like that? I do think this because I, I look at it myself and I go, where I'm going outside these four walls here, how much of the time am I defining the surroundings around me or am I being affected by them? I think a lot of the church decides not to be in certain surroundings because they're so afraid they're going to be effect, infected by something that they never are effective. 
That's a good word, Andrew. Lot was crippled by that natural hope I was talking about. It's just wishing. It's just wishing things would get better. God calls me righteous, and I understand that, but man, I just wish things would really get better. I wish our society would get better. I wish things would just change just a little bit. You know what? Let's define our surroundings. Last week, I talked about that faith, right? Being in this square where things are supposed to be determined and decided so that it changes culture. It determines what culture looks like. Hebrews 6. Here's another one. I didn't give you this one to look at, but you can look at it later. Hebrews 6, 12 says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. How many in here want to inherit promises? Right? Good. 30% of you. Wow. How many in here want to inherit promises? Right? How many in here have promises? How many in here have words that you know God has given to you, you know they are right, but you have not seen them happen yet? This is not a guilt-shaming thing. I just want to see your hands up, okay? Imitate those, then, if you have that and you haven't seen it, then imitate those who have, through faith and patience, received the promise. You know what that word imitate there is? Greek word? It's a Greek word, mimitis. Everybody say mimitis. It's just fun to say. Mimitis, it's where we get the word mime. What's a mime? Right? They do exactly whatever the person is around them, and it's the most irritating thing. Nobody likes a mime. It's true. Mimic, mime, it's where we get that word. I think that's why we have stories like this in the gospel. I, I really do. Because it says to mimic, mime, imitate those who through faith and patience have inherited the promises. So ask yourself, how many, how many people in here are looking at people in the word of God because they're listed in there in the new covenant. They're listed in there as people of faith, people that had hope like Abraham. How much of our life are we modeling after them? He's saying it right here. Imitate through faith and patience. Mimic. Faith will always attract promises. It always attracts promises. Verse 37, 4, and I'm going to end with this. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. How many have heard that one before? I grew up being told that the interpretation of that is, if I desire him, he will change my desires to his. That's not what it says. It doesn't say that at all. You can't even read that into it. It says that he, delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. I believe this is how much faith God has in us. He makes himself vulnerable to his people. He makes himself vulnerable to us. The heavens belong to the, world, to the Lord, right? Psalm 115, the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. You wanna know how much faith God has in you? He gave you the planet. What are we going to do with it? Do we walk around with this earthly hope where it's more like a wish? Or do we walk around with heavenly hope where we're recognizing I've got an object to hold on to. I know who he is. I know what he said. I can see what he's done. I've read that. I can draw on things that he's done in my life. And if I can't draw on things he's done in my life, I will draw on the things that he's done in other people's lives. This, this church is what hope looks like. I want to be like that. I want to be that kind of person of faith, not just the kind of faith that we hear about in this 
crazy, charismatic, whatever, voodoo stuff we get caught up in. I'm talking about that kind of faith where it actually changes the situation around me. And you know, sometimes I may not have a word for someone. Maybe sometimes walking in faith is having a word for me and I just need to be obedient to it. There is an obedience to things in scripture that are just about being obedient. But there is an obedience to faith that is even greater. The obedience to faith says, this is not just a principle that I've learned and I know to be true, right? I can't say I'm walking in faith if, I'm, if I give. I give, we give, we do it. We, we tithe, it's a regular part of how we live. And there's, it's a non-negotiable. It's just, we don't look at it as, oh, well, we can do it this week, we can't do it this week. It's a non-negotiable. I don't even look at the power company like that. You ever do that with your wife or husband? I don't think we can pay them this week. Let's just not do that. We do it with God all the time. I'm not talking, that's a principle I can hold on to, but that's not necessarily faith in itself because I've seen it. In giving, faith for me might look a little different than it does for you. You guys hear what I'm saying, right? Because once you get it into you, it becomes this principle that you live by, but then when you move a little further into it, it's like now God's telling you to do this and do that and do this. Yikes. Everybody stand up here. I'm gonna be done for now. Oh, God, can we get this thing out of our minds that somehow he's looking for contracts with us? Contracts are earthly. Contracts are not hope. Contracts are earthly by nature. Contracts are built on the fact that that there is an inherent mistrust in it. Hello? There's a reason why when you buy a house, you do a contract, and the contract is there, so it spells out very clear, clear what's expected of one person of the other. But in a contract, if you don't hold up your end of the deal, they're not obligated to hold up their end of the deal. In a covenant, it's completely different. And this is how God works in covenant. He says, I'm gonna hold up the end of the deal because it all rests on me. Even if you don't do your part of the deal, I'm still faithful. Come on, this is the kind of God we have. This is the kind of person that we can have hope in. So everybody hold your hands out here. I'm gonna pray over us. For an infectious, infectious hope, infectious hope to start settling in on us as a church to settle it, to make it personal, we'll say, God, get me, get me. Settle in with an infectious hope that changes the surroundings around me. It changes. Think about something for a moment. As we're doing this and we're praying, I want you to think about the circle, the sphere of influence that you live in, where you go to work every day, whatever it is, outdoor, indoor, doesn't matter. Think about the sphere that you have and just say, God, give me an infectious hope to change everybody around me, to change the situation around me to change the language around me, to change the subject of conversation around me. This is what we're designed for, church. So Father, I'm praying you would just answer that, Lord, in such a joyful way. It's such a joyful thing to be with you and walk with you in such a joyful way that all of us would find that this is absolutely an amazing journey that he's called us to. Be in a people of hope, infectious hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. I'm going to do something. I'm going to dismiss. We're going to dismiss, but um, if we can have some of our prayer people down here, I feel like somebody needs to get healed. If you've got physical, something physical going on in your body and you need to get up here and get healed, get up here. This is what we're doing. This is why we do this. So we'll see you next week. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.